0: If you got your Bibles now, flip open to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 or chapter 1 verse 10. And then Acts chapter three, we're going to start again in verse one, going through our story of past the gate called beautiful, all right? Uh, uh, if you, as you're flipping that direction, our study today starts with this question. Have you ever needed to be reminded of something very basic before, all right? Um, some of you in this room, many of you in this room are very, very intelligent people. And here's the deal. You're so smart, a very simple problem sometimes can be way overthought. You don't have to raise your hand, all right, but how many of you would say, yeah, I'm definitely an overthinker, all right? I, I do it way too much. I could just do something very easy, and I forget sometimes just how simple certain things can be. Well, I've got a story to tell you uh, where I was reminded of how simple things sometimes can solve complicated solutions, and that happened back when I was a, a, a freshman in high school. I was hanging out with our Sunday school teacher, a guy named John Earl. John Earl watches the uh, podcast from time to time, so John, if you're watching, uh, you're getting your shout out today. Mr. Earl was one of the greatest Sunday school teachers ever, and uh, he worked in IT support back in the late 90s, all right? So I want you to think back. Some of you are in IT now. Think back to IT in the late 90s. Uh, this would have been like 1996, 1997 when he and I went on this call. Uh, but uh, Mr. O was IT support back then. That was back when, do you remember the loud screeching modem? How many of you remember the screeching modem? Raise your hand, there you go. Hey, the, screech, the rest of you are young. Okay, so well done. Well done for you, okay? Anyway, the screeching modem was the worst. You had to listen to this before you could ever connect to the internet. I still I'm not sure exactly uh, what those sounds were doing. It might have been a psychological test on the world. I don't know. But anyway, you had to listen to this crazy sound, and then it would connect to the internet, and, uh, and then all this fun stuff. Well, anyway, Mr. Earl works for this company, and uh, as IT support back then for a group that was just learning how to use the internet, Mr. Earl said, I, I would have to go out on call. So anyway, he got a call one time from Spring Lake, Texas, okay? In fact, it was a house just outside of Spring Lake, Texas. Their high school, the community's so small, the high school is Spring Lake Earth. There is an Earth, Texas, believe it or not. Great people from Earth. Northern part of Texas and Spring Lake's little town. You know where Spring Lake is, all right? Spring Lake, good place. About two hours from Lubbock, a two-hour... Drive And so Mr. Earl said, for the, for the sake of discipleship, he said, let's make the drive together. We'll drive up. I'll do this IT call, this IT visit, and then we'll drive back and uh, have four hours in the car together just to talk about Jesus. And so it was awesome. I loved the experience of getting to do that. And so I remember asking Mr. Earl, I said, so what is it that usually, usually these calls are for? And he goes, oh, you don't want to know. And I was like, are they like really complicated issues? Do you have to take the person's computer apart, you know, take apart their, their, uh, the wiring in their walls? And he goes, not usually. He said, most of the time, they have forgotten to plug the deal into the wall or they've forgotten to push the on switch or switch the on switch to turn the computer on. I said, are you serious? He goes, seriously. It's usually so basic. The person will be on the phone going, I've tried everything, I'm pushing the button, and nothing is happening. And then sure enough, it's because it wasn't plugged into the power source, it wasn't plugged into the wall. Some of you have helped your parents put together uh, sound equipment or video equipment. Man, there was a sweet woman that uh, was our next-door neighbor, and uh, I'll never forget, she wanted to watch... TBN, All right, again, she's in her 80s, wanted to watch TBN and uh, somebody, I don't know if what she'd done, but her cat or something had clicked the input button and it had switched over the HDMI to where she couldn't get her her normal uh, antenna television stations anymore. So she would come over to our house, she'd knock on the door and go, hey, I just wanted to check on you. Can you come and help me with something next door? And so seriously, I would walk next door and I'd go, oh, did you click the input button again? And she'd go, I don't know, but my TV just doesn't work. And I'm serious. I would walk up, push the input button two times. It would be back on her precious TBN, right, so that she could watch it during the day. And I'm telling you, this sweet woman would then take a $20 bill and try to slip it into my hand because she was so grateful that I had pushed the button. I said, "Ma'am, if this ever happens, you can always just come next door. And her eyesight wasn't very good, so I would take the $20 and I would just leave it on the counter so that she could find it eventually. But I'm telling you, it was so simple, but it can be life and it can be transforming. It can be something that changes the entire flow of your day, whether it's pushing the input button, making sure the computers plugged in or clicking the on switch. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the basics because we are overthinking it. We're thinking past it and missing what's really important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 17, we get a good description here of a church that forgets the basics and then we are reminded what those basics are. Look at what happens in First Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 10. These, by the way, uh, are the verses we've been studying in our men's study on Wednesday mornings, but I wanted to share this with you today. Here's what it says. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and in thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there is quarreling among you. What I mean is this. One of you says I follow Paul. Another says I follow Apollos. Another I follow Cephas. And still another I follow Christ. Now stop right there for just a minute. Paul says the basic principle, the foundational principle of the church is that we don't allow infighting over random personality follower issues divide us from the message of Jesus Christ which is why we were sent in the first place. Paul starts off and he names off a whole bunch of great Christians. He said some of you say I follow Paul some of you say I follow Apollos Apollos was a great and powerful preacher of this time period some of you say I follow Cephas now notice it doesn't say Peter and it doesn't say Simon this is somebody going I'm on a first name basis with rock all right Remember Cephas means rock? It was Peter's nickname. I'm on a first name basis with rock, all right? Now listen, you may follow Paul. You may follow this new preacher, Apollos. You know what I follow? I follow rock. I follow Cephas. And then you got the other legalists coming up and going, well, I follow Jesus. Ever heard of him? All right? Now here's what he says. Whenever the church does that about a person, about an individual. And just for the record, as the founding pastor, there are gonna be some of you who are around longer than I am. If I pray that the Lord lets me stay here for 40 years. But at some point, the founding pastor will go. If not, if the church dies with me, then I did a terrible job as your pastor. And if there's gonna be some of you that go, well, I followed Zach. I've been there at Waterfront since the very, very beginning. Here's what we find out. When we do that, the church is disunified. When it's about a person, we miss the power of the gospel. Look at what he says next. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? And then look at this. I love this little this little uh, this little uh, rabbit trail Paul goes on. He goes, I'm thankful that I didn't baptize any of you except for Crispus and Gaius, so that no one of you can say that you were baptized into my name. Now watch this. This is funny. Yes, I also baptized the house of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anybody else. Stop right there. Don't you love that? Paul is just riffing as he goes through this. These are very, very open and real thoughts, and Paul's like, some of you are saying that you're better because Paul baptized you. Paul says, I don't even remember who it was that I baptized, and that probably offended somebody who was like, but you baptized me, and I'm not on the list. Why wouldn't you have done that? You know why? Because it doesn't matter who baptized you. It matters the name that you were baptized into, Look at what he says next. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom. Look at this. Lest the cross be emptied of its power. Now stop right there for just a minute, because in the midst of this kind of silly church fight over who is the individual that best represents their theology, Paul says when we lose sight of the message, the cross loses its shine and power. The foundational principle for the church is that we make it about Jesus, not about someone that we're endorsing, not about some individual that we have tied or threaded ourselves to. It's about Jesus, amen? And when the church does that, the cross shines so brightly that people are drawn to it and they want to receive the message of Jesus. It's about him and not about us. If you're taking notes, write this down. The urgency of the gospel fuels our compassion for those in need. Without it, there is only powerless infighting. Let me say that again. The urgency of the gospel fuels our compassion for those in need. Without it, there is only powerless infighting. The basic principle I'd like to talk to you about today, where the cross shines brightly and is so powerful is in the way that the church addresses those who are in need around them. Now just for the record, whenever I say those in need. The first illustration that those of us in D.C. have in our minds is typically when we see someone who is in need standing on the street corner or someone who's in need that's in our path as we're walking to get to work or walking home from work at the end of the day. Just for the record, those in need go so much further than just someone you see on the street. Yes, that's an example, but those in need could be someone in your own household someone who is starved for attention, someone who is starved for truth to be spoken into their life, someone who's a neighbor, or someone who lives next door to you, or on the same block as you, someone that you could reach out to that you see all the time, someone who shares the same cubicle as you, someone who's in a similar deployment. These are people that you're around all the time, and they are screaming for help. They are in desperate need. The cross shines brightly, when the church behaves the way that it's supposed to behave, the way it was meant to behave. So our big million dollar question is this, how do we address someone who's in need? How do we address someone who's in need in a way that leaves the cross at full power, plugged into the power surge, not chained by our personal limitations? How do we address someone who's in need? We get a template for that in Acts chapter 3. So flip over to Acts chapter 3. We'll jump back into our story of past the Gate Called Beautiful, the story of Peter, John, and the man born lame. Look at what happens. Chapter 3, verse 1. We'll redo a, a few of the verses that we went through last week. It says, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at about three o'clock in the afternoon. Now, just for the record, underline Peter and John here. Peter and John are the heads of Christendom at this point. They are, they are the, uh, the tip-top as far as that's concerned. The reason this is important is because um, 3,000 have been added to the number that are attending their services in the chapter previous to this. Uh, Peter and John have got plenty to do. Not only that, because of the way it happened in the public square, the gospel is now going to the ends of the earth and they don't even realize it yet. They are very, very busy and they're trying to disciple as many people as possible. So these are guys at the top of the food chain spiritually and theologically and they've got a lot going on. But look at what they do. Verse two, it says, Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money and Peter looked straight at him as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his full attention expecting to get something from them. Stop right there for just a minute. Those are the verses we studied last week. Peter and John, even though they're busy, on their way to the temple as the celebrities walking in, the head of Christendom at this point, as they're walking in, all of a sudden they see right next to the gate called Beautiful this man who's been carried by his friends. They can't walk him into fellowship with Jesus Christ. They can't carry him inside. Instead, he's right at the gate. He still has to make the decision himself to follow. follow after Jesus he's right at the edge but you can't make someone make the decision so there he is Peter and John see this man they feel the Holy Spirit in this opportunity and they look at the man and say look at us the man then turns and you know what he's expecting from them he's expecting coins he's expecting a couple of coins to drop in his cup man give me your full attention oh great someone is gonna bless me I want you to think about what a little change could buy you at this point Inflation is so rampant, not much. And this man turns to Peter and John and his attention, who I need to be careful with that. Don't touch that. It's got corona, all right? Don't touch it. <laughs> Peter and John, when you offer the world your attention, this is all they're expecting from you. This is it. They give him Their full attention over what's going to be pocket change. He gives them his full attention over what could just be pocket change. And instead, they carry the message of forgiveness and salvation. Look at what it says in verse six. It says, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have. But what I have, I give to you. Look at this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Underline, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Now stop right there for just a minute. We always focus on the big moment, the miracle. What the writer here in Acts does that's so powerful is does the lead up that there is so much faith involved in what Peter and John are doing, leading up to the moment when the miracle actually takes place. And right here, the first thing they give the man is their attention, and then they show Share the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth with them. If you're taking notes, write this down. How do we address someone who is in need? Number one, we share Jesus with them. We share Jesus with them. Not just for the record, for the purpose of salvation, but also for the purpose of reconciliation. And then for those of us who have just been ripped to shreds by life at different points, we share Christ, the name Jesus, for restoration, that the Lord might take their heart, knit it back together when it's been ripped to pieces before. But we get scared, don't we? Even pastors get scared to share the name of Jesus from time to time. Because for some reason we feel like if we do that, then we will be labeled the radical, the weirdo, the freak, and we sit back and we withhold it. Listen to me. If we truly believe It's the power of salvation, Romans chapter one, for those who believe. That it's true forgiveness of all sin. Why in the world would we withhold that? And a lot of us do what this man's expecting. We go, I can give you some change. I can give you just a little bit. Peter comes in and says, silver and gold I do not have. Now just for the record, I've always wondered if Peter didn't actually have change. Or if he is saying, I don't have enough money to fill that void that you are really in need of. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I give you the name with all power. He says walk. I've told you a story before, but it bears repeating. Sharing the name of Jesus is not just to be shared with the lost. Sometimes we need people to share the name of Jesus with us because we are broken and in need of restoration. I've told you this story before, but again, it's a good one. So um, in the second year of the church, very rarely does the Lord tell me just a hard don't do something when it's a godly thing to do. And um, as clear as I've ever heard the Lord tell me not to do something, the second mission trip to Slovakia from our church, the Lord told me not to go. And here was my argument. Lord, it's a mission trip. Why would you not want me to go on this mission trip, but I'm telling you, there was a real hard, fast kick from the Holy Spirit that I wasn't supposed to go. The church at that point was only about a year and a half old, and Jordan and Casey Long uh, were on board and leading the trip, but I was the one who was kind of the the main caretaker of this trip, and I'd been doing it for almost 10 years in connection with our ministry uh, before we got here to D.C. So I really did tell the Lord. I was like, there's no way you're telling me not to go on a mission trip, all right? I'm going to go, and I'm going to be a part, but I could feel the Spirit telling me not to go. This is a true story. Jordan affirmed at last service, okay? I lose my passport the day of the trip, The day of the trip, I mean, it just like magically vanishes. We have a safe at the house that we keep the passport in. And I mean, I don't know how it just magically vanishes. With my children, as crafty as they are, I mean, I can dream. But I don't know exactly how I end up losing this passport. And so we had some members of our church that are part of the State Department. Y'all helped me get there. We sent the team over. But I'm telling you, the Lord did not want me to go on this trip. But I was so pig-headed and bull-headed, I bowled forward. There was one meal I ate apart from the group. And in that meal, I ate a bad piece of chicken, and that raw piece of chicken ends up getting me a it gets me a, an illness called Campylobacter, it's a bacteria infection, that ended up ripping my stomach to pieces. Uh, and uh, sure enough, um, I'm still, I'm finally back on track, but we're about four years removed from that, when that originally happened, and I'm just now kinda back to where I was before uh, with my gut health. And I'll tell you that story to say this. I start bleeding really badly in the next two weeks after. And it culminates at three o'clock in the morning when my system, after two weeks of bleeding where I didn't realize it was bleeding, bright red blood starts to pour out of my system at three o'clock in the morning. And I got frightened, very, very scared, and I needed to be. I called a friend of mine who's a GI, Dr. Tim Miller in Texas. I called Dr. Miller and I said, what do I need to do, doc? I said, I'm sorry to call you, it's so late but I'm scared, what do I need to do? And he said, you idiot, go to the hospital. That's what you need to do, okay? We call an Uber. We live out in National Harbor, Maryland. He said, go to GW Hospital. He said, they have a great trauma center. He said, you need to go there. So I call the Uber, and I remember, I didn't even bring any clothes with me. I was so scared, but I grabbed my Bible. I've got a little Bible very similar to this one. It's a black Bible and I just pressed it to my chest and I get in the Uber. And the Uber driver that day sees me and he goes, "Uh, I'm not trying to pry, young man, but he said, three o'clock in the morning, GW Hospital and all you're carrying is a Bible? He said, you're in trouble, aren't you? I can hardly get any words out. He said, don't worry. He said, are you a Christian? I said, yes, sir. He said, I'm just gonna pray for you as we drive. The man prayed for me, it's a 30 minute drive from National Harbor into GW Hospital. And the man prayed for me for 30 minutes and I wept in the back on the way in. He shared Jesus with me that day. You know what's nuts? He didn't need to put money in my cup. I was paying him to drive me. He didn't need a coin in my cup. He shared the power source He reminded me that the Lord was in control. When I got to the hospital, I was very, very blessed. The Lord sent me at just the right time. They thought I was actually going to rupture a bowel at that point, and it could have caused all sorts of major difficulty for me. Plus, I had gone basically septic, and they were concerned that I was going to be paralyzed in my arms and legs for a time while they got this thing under control. The Lord was so good to send that man to pray for me to allow Dr. Miller to answer his phone at three o'clock in the morning? When we truly are in need and those around us are hurting, they need Jesus. There are other things that we need physically and emotionally, but to plug into Jesus is to plug into the power source. Why do we always want to meet the other needs before that one? I think because we're afraid of what will happen, that people will judge us if we offer up that name. That name is power. That name is where the Lord is the one who then can take control of the situation and the miraculous is made visible to the world around us. Sometimes people have shared Jesus with me and then there have been other times the Lord has called me to share Jesus with others. One of my favorite restaurants over here that closed in the middle of the pandemic, been open for a long time, was Gordon Beersh up here on the corner used to love Gordon Beers and uh, uh, honestly, the cheese curds, whoo, it was delicious, and they would come out with this sauce. It was like a bacon sauce. It was like just straight bacon grease you just dipped those cheese curds into. It was fantastic, all right? Anyway, all that to say. Um, we used to go there all the time because it was a big restaurant, biggest restaurant in the neighborhood, and so when we'd have mission teams come in from out of town, in the beginning, that was the restaurant we always took them to. And one afternoon, there was a law student here in town, a member of our church, Ask if, or attend at our church and ask if we would get together and then just talk about a few things. Really, really smart, sharp young man. We go and we sit at Gordon Beer's together in one of the little booths on the side. And I'll never forget, he's telling me about family hurt, about church hurt, about some things he's navigated. And all of a sudden, I can feel it in my gut. The Spirit is calling me, share Jesus with him, give him an opportunity to be saved. And you know what I did. I argued with God in my head while I was talking to that young man. Have you ever argued while somebody else is talking to you, argued with God? Some of you are like, yes, right now, I'm doing that, all right? I'm sitting there and I'm like, Lord, I'm a pastor, if he wants to be saved, he'll ask me. What a foolish thing for any believer to think if he wants to make a decision, he'll ask me. And I can feel the Spirit saying, just share it, share the name Jesus. Offer him an opportunity to be saved. And I'm like, what's he gonna do? Pray right here in the middle of the restaurant to get saved? Is that what's gonna happen? That's what happened! In the middle of Gordon Biersch! He shares his story and I go, young man, you just wanna be saved? Is that what you need Is a moment where you choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You receive salvation and the forgiveness of your sins, where you cross over in our story, where you pass the gate called beautiful for the very first time to come in fellowship with God and fellowship with other believers. Is that what you want? And right there he says, yes, the tears begin to flow. And right there in that booth in Gordon Beers, whatever they turn that thing into, we've heard it might even be like a bookie spot out here for people to make bets. I will still see it as a spiritual monument where I finally said yes, and that man's eternity was different. Whatever happens in his life moving forward, that moment, that monumental moment in Gordon Beers will always be there. In the name of Jesus, there is power. Now, just for the record, there's a great saying, and I'm telling you, it's not scripture, but it's a good saying that a lot of you have been taught since the beginning. Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Can I tell you that that is a false statement. It's good, but it's not fully correct. The gospel requires you to share it with words. Now that does not let you off the hook from living it, and we're gonna talk about that in just a minute. But you must share the name Jesus. If we don't, it's cruel. If we don't, we empty the cross of its power. We've got to come to a point where when we share the love of Christ with someone, that we are willing to speak his name at the same time. In the name of Jesus, there is power. What we do instead, and we're doing it all over society right now, is we're real good at putting coins in the cup because it makes us feel like we did something to address the issue. But there's no power in pocket change, do you hear me? If you're taking notes, write this down, and some of you may need to hear this today. Money will never fill the void. Let me say it again. Money will never fill the void. Money will fuel the fire for a time, but it cannot be consumed, or it cannot be ever. It, the, the money will always be consumed. It will never fill our needs. Just for the record, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 is a fantastic verse to memorize if you need a little motivation to move forward. Look at Philippians chapter 4, and now let's look at verse 19. Here's what it says. Paul writes, Philippians four, verse 19. He writes, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. God is the power source. When we plug into him, he takes care of everything. Our eyes are opened that he is the one providing for us and doing all good things. It begs the question, when is the last time that you shared Jesus? When is the last time that you shared Jesus when you spoke his name so that others could plug into the power source? For some, it's so they can be saved, like the moment at Gordon Biersch. For some, it's so they can be restored because they're in a moment like I was in the back of the Uber. And for some, it might be so they could be reconciled so that the Lord could bring them back in fellowship and speaking his name unearths a treasure trove of experiences that they have had leading up to their interaction with you when they remember who they are in Christ. Let's keep moving. Now look at Acts chapter three, verse seven. This is crazy. Look at what happens. They offer him the name Jesus and now verse seven, look at this taking him by the right hand. Underline and taking him by the right hand. He helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Now stop right there for just a minute. Watch this. In the beginning, Peter has still not seen the man miraculously healed. He stops by giving him his full attention. He speaks the name of Jesus unto him. He tells him the Lord desires to make you whole, and then he offers him his right hand. Now just for the record, right hand here is symbolic of primary objective, all of his energy, all of his focus in eyes, in words, in action, everything is focused on the Lord doing something in this man's life. It's an illustration of just how much faith Peter has in this circumstance. He reaches out and says, I will be a part of your restoration. I'm gonna be a part of what's taking place here in your life. If you're taking notes, how do we address someone who's in need? Number one, we share Jesus. And number two, we offer your, you offer your hands. You offer your hands. Now just for the record, right now, we're told to live like this. I'm not telling you to Rudy Gobert, okay, of the Utah Jazz to go and to touch all the microphones so that you can prove that there really is no corona. That's not what we're saying here. The world has told you, and we watch it right now in the neighborhood. Someone who's older falls over because the wind has blown them over, and you sit there and you go, should I do something? Should I help? Should I come forward? Should I do this or should I do that? Can I just tell you, read through scripture. Our hands belong to God. They belong to him. Don't be foolish. Don't be idiotic. Don't touch the microphone. Don't, don't, don't tempt fate. Don't tempt something awful to happen around you. Don't be foolish. But if you're living with your hands behind your back going, well, I guess I'll go back to service and helping people in a year and a half, once it's safe and we're all vaccinated... If that's you, then you've missed your calling and the devil's got you right where he wants you. There are creative ways that you can help in the world around you. Don't be foolish, but don't feel like you just have a license right now to do nothing. The gospel is emptied of its power when we don't speak the name Jesus. But the gospel, the cross is emptied of its power when good people also do nothing when those around them are in desperate physical and emotional and spiritual need. If you're taking notes, a little quote here for you. The gospel is designed to be illustrated by our actions. The gospel is designed to be illustrated by our actions. When it comes to the world around us, we kind of treat service of others kind of like a dirty diaper. You ever been around a dirty diaper before? I got something I'm really excited to tell you. Okay, Zeke, our youngest, he's our last child. As far as it goes, uh, as far as we know anyway, okay, Zeke's our last child, last playing child. And so he's two, almost three. We're about to start the potty training stretch. Guys, I am in the final months of changing stinky diapers, all right? I am in the final months of that, and I can't believe it. Lulu is 10, and so I've been in this for a decade. And man, Christian, I'm almost done. Autumn went on a girls' trip this week. And so um, because of that, went with Lulu. And so I've got Zeke. And Zeke, I don't know, he is so much like me. I mean, Zeke, Zeke is one where, I mean, his diapers for some reason are twice as stinky as the other three combined. I don't know what it is, okay? Uh, In fact, I do know a little bit what it is. Autumn left town this week and he ate dad food all week this week and so I I put it on myself just a little bit. And so, um, all that to say. Those diapers are like nuclear material. I mean, you bring out the tongs, you know what I mean? Kind of lift it out like this, two fingers, keep it at a distance. And if there was ever a good reason for wearing masks, it's changing diapers, all right? I'm just telling you. And so you got the the COVID mask on, and you're making sure that you try to get that thing away as quickly as possible. That's how a lot of us treat the world in need around us. And just for the record, it went from this that is already awful my hands are tied. I'm trying to save your life. I can't do anything to help you. Do you realize what we've done there? We have emptied the cross of its power. I'm not telling you to be foolish. I'm telling you to be creative and smart and find a way to let your hands to Almighty God. One of my favorite movies of all time, it's a movie called City Slickers, okay? Billy Crystal from back in the day. One of my favorite movies, just for the record. It's got atrocious language in it, some questionable content. Please do not go home and watch it and say, my pastor wanted me to watch this for a great spiritual experience today. No, I'm just being honest with you. It's one of my favorite movies. I've loved it since I was a kid. It was extra special because I turned 39 on Thursday. And the movie is about Billy Crystal's 39th birthday. And so um, it's, it was extra special through this stretch. In fact, my mom and my brother and sister, knowing I love the movie, for my birthday present this year, they bought me a poster autographed, uh, a City Slickers poster autographed by Billy Crystal. That was their gift to me this year. It was a really good, that was a really good present. There's a scene in the movie where Jack Palance, the old cowboy, and Billy Crystal are by themselves on the trail. And remember, Billy Crystal's the city slicker. He's the one who's, who's, uh, who d- doesn't really understand the uh, the, uh, the Western culture. And then Jack Palance is like, you know, the Western person of Western people, right? He's the he's the, he's the the embodiment of the Marlboro Man, you know? And so again, um, they're on the trail, and there's a, a cow that's about to give birth, a heifer that's about to give birth to a calf. And so um, the calf is turned around backwards, and the old cowboy says, I'm going to hold the heifer. And Billy, you're going to have to, or whatever, the, Mitch, the character, he says, you're going to have to reach in and pull the calf out and uh, help uh, help the uh, heifer give birth. And at that point, Billy Crystal is like, you want me to what? And he goes, I've got to hold the head and you've got to reach in and do this. Otherwise, the, the uh, heifer's going to kick you and kill you. And then I got to haul all of you back there. And so Billy Crystal's like, all right, fine. And you watch him. He gets behind and he sticks his whole hand in to try to get that cow out. of I mean, he is elbow deep in trying to get the cow out. And there's a great line what he does. He pulls his hand out of one point and with all the goo and nasties on his hands he goes this was not in the brochure right and he goes back and then sure enough the calf is born It's this beautiful moment. In fact, Billy Crystal ends up taking the calf home with him at the end and it becomes the pet that lives with their family. His family has changed because he finally got elbow deep in service for someone that wasn't just himself. It's a beautiful picture of what happens with us when we share Jesus, but then we also offer our hands in service to the world around us. It changes our family. It changes our church. It changes the community. It changes eternity for crying out loud because the gospel is made visible. The cross is not emptied of its power. It shines as brightly as it possibly can when our words and our actions, our life of integrity, show that we actually care about our fellow man. It begs the question when is the last time you selflessly offered your hands? When is the last time you selflessly offered your hands? If you're the person right now who's watching online or who's here in the room and goes, well, the pastor's telling us to break quarantine. No, you aren't listening. Find a creative way to be the hands of Jesus Christ to the broken world around you. There are ways to safely and in accordance with the law do that. But to do this, my hands are tied. Sorry, just go ahead and flounder. Just go ahead. It's like seeing somebody flailing in the water and going, just go ahead and drown. It's the law. Just go ahead and drown. I wish I could help you. The world looks at us, and in those moments, the cross is very dull. They need to see it in our lives, what they've heard from our mouths. Now look at what happens next in Acts chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, some great verses here. Look at this. It says in verse eight, so the man jumps to his feet and he began to walk. Look at this. Then he went with them. Underline, he went with them. The work of Peter and John is not done here. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit, begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now notice this. Remember, Peter and John go through, they see the man. They go, man, look at us. Give us your full attention. He turns, gives them their full attention they then share the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus of Nazareth stand up and walk walk with us all of a sudden the man then Peter offers his right hand man his full attention jumps up to his feet the man is celebrating and at that point it says that Peter and John the heads of Christendom the leader of leaders in this passage that they walk with him inside what if the passage went this way there you go, man, you're a miracle. I'll see you in heaven. That's what a lot of us do. You're very busy. You're very important. And you share the name. You might even offer your hands for a few brief moments. But discipleship, hospitality, kindness, to bring the man into the fold so that he can find fellowship with other believers is a powerful, powerful thing. If you're taking notes, write this down. How do we address someone who is in need? Number one, we share Jesus. Number two, we offer our hands. And number three, we walk with them. We walk with them. Peter and John walk inside with him because they know for him to get assimilated into the group, for him to become a part of the fellowship, that people are going to need to hear his story and they walk alongside him. After decades in church work, and four and a half years working at the finest restaurant in America, Red Lobster, all right? Any pastor or restaurant owner will tell you, the first few moments of someone connecting in fellowship is incredibly important. To walk in and to feel like they have given their life to something, or in the case of a restaurant, given their money or their special occasion to something where they actually matter and their story is heard is incredibly important. You know what the, most, uh, uh, the uh, most profitable day in Red Lobster is? Mother's Day, there you go, Mother's Day. You got it, Taylor, you know, all right? Mother's Day. You know why Mother's Day? I guess because people want to take mama out to a fish dinner, you know what I mean? Or endless shrimp, whatever it is that you choose, okay? But you come to Red Lobster. Our tables, when I worked at Red Lobster, were numbered. Some of you worked at restaurants before and you got these different tables, but the host piece is incredibly important when it comes to a restaurant experience because you're walking in for your special occasion or you're walking in to spend your hard-earned money, and what if the person at the host stand is like, all right, table eight. And you go, uh, which one is table eight? I don't know, uh, it's that way, good luck. And you go, well, it's, it's kind of a special occasion for me. Oh, really? Congratulations. All right. Um, I really was wondering what the specials are. It's all special. (laughs) You ever had that experience before? Now listen to me. A good host sets the tone for the whole table. I was a server. We were real kind to the hosts and hostesses. You know why? Because if they set the tone well, we all got paid. It's the way it worked. In fact, if we had a bad host on duty, the manager would look at him and say, "Uh, you can go home. Don't come back. And then the manager on duty would take the host position above all the others because it was so important to make sure that the table got started in just the right way. If you're the person who shares the name Jesus, you offer your hands in service and then you go, oh, peace out, see you in heaven. If that's you, you have set them up to fail and left them cast to the wind. Discipleship is about bringing someone along, showing them how to connect, showing them how to be different, or showing them how to be a part of the group, even with their differences. I watched another movie this week, another great movie from old school, Top Gun. You've seen Top Gun? All right. Top Gun's great. In fact, there's supposed to be a sequel to Top Gun coming out at some point. We don't know when, thanks, Corona, all right? We don't know when, but at some point, a a sequel to Top Gun. You can sum up Top Gun in four words of a motto, all right? Never leave your wingman, all right? In fact, we had debate in the first service. It might be five words. I don't know if wingman is one word or not. Okay, anybody in the Air Force in here? Is wingman one word or two? It's one word, there you go, four words you can sum up Top Gun. Thank you, Christian, I knew you'd have the information. Okay, four words, never leave your wingman. Why? Because if you do, they can get hurt. Real easily, the entire mission can fall apart. What happens at the end of the movie? Val Kilmer playing Iceman. You got Tom Cruise playing Maverick, and what happens at the end? And they realize they can trust each other, and you see Iceman look at him and go, I'll be your wingman anytime." And then Tom Cruise is like, you can be mine, or whatever. I can't remember how it goes, but it's great. It's this moment where they realize they need each other. If you're taking notes, great leaders understand the importance of timely hospitality. Great leaders understand the importance of timely hospitality when it comes to helping those around us. Life and death, eternity in heaven versus eternity separated from God in hell. We can't leave our wingmen. We can't leave our wing people. We got to make sure that we stick, along or stick beside them. Even Peter and John, the heads of the church, took the time to make sure this guy got connected in discipleship. It begs the question, are you abandoning an exposed wingman? Are you abandoning an exposed wingman? Is there someone in your life that came along as a new believer alongside you? You shared the name Jesus with them. You used your hands in service to Almighty God on their behalf. And all of a sudden you went, well, I'm moving to D.C. See you when I see you. Or, man, it's been great. I know you're having to move somewhere else. We'll catch up when we catch up. Well, maybe today is the time when the Holy Spirit is calling out to your heart that you need to reach out and check on them. It might be mom or dad. It might be a grandparent in a nursing home isolated by COVID. It might be a best friend or a former next-door neighbor or someone that used to live across the hall from you in one of these apartments. It might be a former coworker might be someone that you see all the time, but it's been a long time since you actually checked on them spiritually. Have you abandoned an exposed wingman, and is it time you reached out and checked up on them? Those are the foundational things that a church should do in trying to reach the lost. We gotta take care of each other the way God took care of us. Thanks for listening today, guys. Don't tune out the most important part of the service these next few moments. Let's bow our heads for prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around but just me. We call this our time of reflection. There's nothing mystical or magical about this time, just a chance for us to stop and to process how we're different because of the songs we've sung, the sermon we've heard, and specifically the scripture that we've read. My first question is this today. Is there anyone here that would say, Zach, would you pray for me? When you talked about sharing the name Jesus, there's someone that the Holy Spirit placed into my heart and into my mind that I need to reach out to them and I need to make sure that I don't just let them know I care. I need to tell them about the power source. I need to tell them about the one who can fulfill all needs, big or small. With nobody looking but just me, if you're here and you say, Zach, pray for me, there's someone I'm supposed to share the name Jesus with. If that's you, if you would just lift your hand where you are right now. It's powerful. That's powerful, so many of you. Y'all can put your hands down. This is not a fleeting moment. The Spirit is speaking. I'm going to pray for you, but if that was you, just pray this simple prayer, Lord, I'll do it. Lord, I will speak the name of Jesus to this person. Second, maybe there are some of you that would say, Zach, would you pray for me? I've spoken the name Jesus, but I've been one of the ones with my hands behind my back. Remember, we're not asking you to be Rudy Gobert and go around touching everything. But if you're here and you'd say, Zach, pray for me. My hands belong to Jesus. Even in a pandemic, my hands belong to Jesus, and I will offer them in service to my fellow man. If that's you, if you would just indicate that by lifting your hand where you are right now. Thank you, thank you. So many of you, y'all can put your hands down. Remember, this is not a license to be reckless, but rather a way to use that amazing mind that God has given you to do what God would have you to do. I'm gonna pray for you, but if that was you, just pray this simple prayer. God, my hands belong to you. God, my hands belong to you. And then next, maybe there are some of you that would say, Zach, I abandoned an exposed wingman. And the Holy Spirit has placed someone on your heart that you need to reach out to today. Someone who you were a part of their spiritual journey in the past. And the Holy Spirit has told you to reach out to them and to check on them. With nobody looking but just me, if that's you, I just want to pray for you as you make that commitment today. If that's you, if you would just lift your hand where you are right now. It's powerful. It's powerful. Y'all can put your hands down. Thank you. If that was you, I'm going to pray for you you make that commitment to God that before the sun goes down today, you have a plan put together of reaching out to that person, checking up on them and then carve out some time so they actually can talk to you, so they can share a little bit of their story and then last but not least, maybe just maybe there are some of you in here today that would say, Zach, I'm not in the place of Peter or John I'm the one at the gate called beautiful, I'm the one who's broken today who has never walked through the gate, who has never entered into fellowship with Jesus Christ through believing in him, who's never entered into fellowship with other believers. But today, right here, right now, I am choosing to believe in Jesus Christ for the very, very first time. I am ready to step through the gate, and I am ready to trust Jesus for forgiveness, for salvation, for eternity. With no one looking but just me, if that's you today, if you'd say, Zach, pray for me, I need to be saved today. I need to walk past that gate for the first time. If that's you, if you would just lift your hand where you are right now. Let's see you. I see you. it's the most important decision you'll ever make. If that's you, you can put your hand down. I'm gonna ask my friend Christian if you'd go stand at the back by the door. Just go stand right back there. If that's you today and you need to be saved, When we stand in just a minute, just stand and walk straight back to Christian. He's right by the back door. He'd love to introduce you to Jesus today. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll stand. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you so much for the way that we've gotten to study this story today. And Lord, we thank you that the Spirit is stirring, that we need to speak the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would stir in our hearts that we would be people of integrity, but Lord, that we would also have the courage to step out and to share your name with the world around us. And when we speak your name, there is power. Lord, I also pray for those who are here today who are offering their hands in service to you. Lord, establish the work of their hands and let them see the power of your mighty works as they give themselves completely to you. And Lord, for those who need to reconnect with an old wingman, God, give them the courage to make that phone call. And Lord, I pray that when they talk to them, that it might be like no time had passed, that they would connect as immediate friends and that there would be great encouragement between them. And last but not least, Lord, if anyone needs to be saved today, give them a double portion of courage to stand and to walk back to Christian. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.